because they didn't know who I was, they just kind of made it up. You know, it was kind of just made up about this must be what they're going through or this is the worst case scenario of a divorce. We're just going to write that as their story. And that's just not been the case. It wasn't the case for me. It wasn't the way that I felt at all a lot of the time. Three years ago, Cass Thorburn was thrust into the spotlight when her husband of 21 years, today host Carl Stefanovic, left her in a very public split that played out big time in the tabloids. After finding herself a single stay-at-home mum to her three kids, she began the process of rebuilding her life. And now the journalist is back on the hustings, hosting a popular new podcast series called Divorce Story, which aims to empower women to thrive after separation. With one in two marriages ending in divorce in Australia, Cass has tapped into a massive audience who are hungry for information and she's happy to make a difference in this space. Cass, how are you going? I'm going really well. I've got two students home home learning. Uh, it's quite the challenge in a house to sort of run school, but, you know, I'm coping the best I can like everyone else. I'm really keen to hear how it's going with the podcast, really. How are you finding it? How's it going? How does it feel to be back on the job? The podcast is great. I've really enjoyed it. It's been such a great learning curve, but also it is going back to sort of the roots that I had many years ago when I started in radio. Tell us in a bit on that part of your life, Cass. Well, my dad was a newsreader growing up in television and worked in newspapers and radio, and then he started his own radio station in Mildura and that was community radio. So I asked for voice lessons for for my 13th birthday. By the time I was 13, I was doing midnight to dawns, Friday and Saturday nights. That's how I got through my schooling. That's a classic. I love how that was was what you wanted for your birthday. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, everyone has their little idiosyncrasies, I guess. You're right, but I've got to tell you, the voice lessons have uh, worked a treat. Um, in the, the Divorce Story podcast, you actually, you guys speak, but then you also have like lots of basically divorced women and men telling their stories. How has that been? Because like, I, I do find the stories particularly intriguing. How have you found them? I found it very cathartic, I guess, and that was yeah. the main reason for including people's individual divorce stories is A, to tell people that they're not alone in going through divorce in how difficult they might be finding it um, or the challenges that they're up against. So those individual divorce stories also tell people that everyone's journey is their own as well. You know, there isn't a sort of, you know, process to go through, but it does, you know, just reassure people that, you know, people are going through a divorce of their own, but they're also going through a divorce like so many others are. And that's, you know, supposed to give them a sense of security in that they're not alone. And like, what have you learned now that you wish you'd kind of like known before? What do you think you would have done differently with your own separation and divorce as a result of hearing some of these stories? I don't think I would have done anything particularly differently. I think it was kind of, you know, it all depends on your divorce that you're going through. But I don't think for me, there was anything I would do differently. The reason it kind of came about was that so many people messaged me and asked questions as if I was some sort of you know, poster child or expert in divorce just because I'd been through a divorce that was public. And the questions they asked were not relevant 
to what I was going through in a divorce. They were relevant to what they were going through. And that made me think, okay, there are a lot of questions out there, financial questions that people need answers to. So that sort of got us thinking about, you know, how do you provide a platform where you can have someone answer those questions or just, you know, information to help you navigate it? Yeah, and it is it is absolutely fantastic advice. I'd say the core area, obviously, where there is a lot of similarity is actually the beginning. Last year, we interviewed Drew Barrymore for this podcast, and um, she talked about her divorce from the father of her two daughters. And she basically said that it broke her, that divorce is the death of the dream. And I, I felt like so many of the stories and everything that yeah, that were discussed on the podcast, and even from your own um, experience, it does seem like that initial surge of of grief, if, if for want of a better term, is so consuming. And um, were, were you surprised by that grief and, and kind of how gut-wrenching it was for you and how gut-wrenching it is for others? Yeah, I think the podcast has really shed a light to me on having experts talk about how there is a grief process, you know, that there is something to grieve. And, and when your marriage ends, you, there's no time limit on how you grieve the death of a partner. So also, I don't think there's a time limit on how long you grieve the death of a marriage, because that's what it is. It's no longer there. It's finished. So, you know, whether you call it a death of a marriage or the end of a marriage, I mean, it's no longer marriage. So I think the best thing that I've learned in the podcast is that, you know, talking about it as if it's not a taboo subject is going to make it less hurtful for people. You know, people are too scared to go to work and tell their colleagues that they've gone through a divorce. But if their partner had died, you would tell your workplace. That's come up in the podcast. I've talked to experts about that. And it's so true about how we feel embarrassment or shame over it. And I don't think loss of productivity in the workplace is identified as, you know, that that's what divorce does to people. It makes them a little less productive. And if their workplace knew that, they'd be able to work through it probably quicker than trying to hide it because of shame. I agree with you. But like there's all this unrealistic expectation around divorce. We're kind of like fed a Hollywood version of divorce, which is, you know, like in LA, divorce is treated with the same seriousness as going out for ice cream. Like it's it's kind of there's this <laughs> flippancy around it that I think completely undermines what people are actually going through. And I think you're right. So therefore it creates this taboo topic. It also creates this stigma where people go, well, they're not the only ones going through it. And no one says that they are. You know, it's like saying with children, oh, you know, but but other people, you know, they've got plenty of friends who come from separated families. Well, sure they do, but that doesn't make it any easier for them to go through it. And we shouldn't minimise that to them. They should be able to go the grief that you know their parents are no longer together and they should be given mm. some time to get used to that you know sort of making out like you say the Hollywood version that you know everyone gets on and everyone's happy smiley families it's it's not that's not yeah I completely agree with you Cass and also I think like I had a girlfriend whose husband came home one day just after the birth of their second child might I add and said basically he didn't love her anymore and called it quits and she said that she kind of like had different people that she would turn to for a shoulder, really. Did you find that you had different people to fulfill certain parts of your life during that initial period where it was, you know, all a complete and absolute mess? Yeah. You know, I've always had really great girlfriends. I've been very blessed with that. You know, I've got some really close, long-lasting girlfriends. 
Um, and yeah, you know, different things. You know, Cara and I, who I did the children's book with, we sort of walked and talked. And um, my girlfriend, who was in the states, was sort of available. You know, if I woke up really early in the morning, which people tend to do when they go through divorce, you know, you wake and you lie there thinking about a plethora of things that you've got to do the next day, even though you're too exhausted because you lay awake thinking about it. So I was really lucky to have um, great girlfriends and family members to kind of support me through that. But, you know, I guess when you've got children, it's also focusing on getting through the day and getting done what you need to get done. Fortunately for me, I guess what I did come out of it for me was that it was a new chapter and I had the opportunity to write that chapter and only I could start that chapter. Like no one else was going to be able to say to me, okay, this is what you need to do with your life now. Once I'd, you know, gotten through the stages of divorce or the grief of divorce, I got to write my own chapter and I had to be the one to decide what that was going to be, you know, setting a week goal, setting a monthly goal, setting a, you know, a goal on a career path, whatever that needed to be. It had to be me that made that decision. Yeah. Well, I, the, the thing that I also love about that in terms of your story, Kaz, your big kick-ass, you know, reinvention would be just hard to top. Like you just went through this extremely public breakup and then, to kickstart a new life, you chose to go on a nationwide reality show where you, um, you know, you had to publicly display your ability to learn complicated dance sequences and then be judged on them. Of course, I'm talking about when you're a contestant on Dancing with the Stars. How did that go for you, mate? It was completely out of the box for me. It was completely out of my zone. But, you know, the opportunity came up. And I think the point I was making with that was, you know, something that might be offered to you might be something you've never thought about doing. But what have you got to lose? You may learn something out of it. It's also, an, you know, a, a huge distraction from everything else going on in your life, which may be normal, or may have been part of what was happening during the marriage. You know, this was an opportunity for me to sort of do something completely unthought of. You know, I was able to get outside myself, learn something new, challenge myself, like hugely challenge myself by, you know, going on a program like that. But it was also, you know, an opportunity to meet new people. You know, the, the people that I met on that show um, were c- completely out of the normal group of friends that I had or people that I'd worked with before. So it fulfilled a lot for me. Like it was such a gutsy move and often it does take like something that you wouldn't normally do. Like you do kind of need to to reinvent yourself. You need to actually take yourself, as you said, completely out of your comfort zone in your case. The reason I love that experience so much is it wasn't I went into it and said, okay, I'm going to, you know, go and do this dancing show and even though I can't dance, I'm going to be amazing and this is, I'm going to, you know, win this show or something. What I wanted to do was just challenge myself. Are there things that you know now that you never knew before? I think it was getting to know myself. I, you know, I really wanted to take the time to get to know myself, you know, and, and when people would talk about when I was going to start dating again and all those topics, for me it really was about, you know, what do you mean? Like I've been in a relationship for 20 more years and the last thing I actually want to do is be in a relationship with someone else again. I actually want to get to know myself. So for me, it was the ability to be able to do that and focus on that and realize that I was the same person, but I wasn't the same person. You know, clearly I'd had two, you know, three children. I'd had a very long-term relationship and marriage. And so to 
you know, spend time getting to know myself and focusing on some of the things that I wanted wasn't something that I'd imagined because when you're in a marriage, you're focused on what's best for the children, what's best for the marriage. It's not about necessarily at all about what you would like as an individual. So having time to find out what it is that I really enjoy doing and what I enjoy thinking about and what my opinions are on things and expressing myself again without it having to, you know, impact on anyone else was really great for me. I really enjoyed that. And in that process, have you found out anything about yourself that's been surprising? You know, I love having my close friendships and got amazing family and friends, but I've also realised that I actually quite like, you know, pottering around at home things that make me happy you know I like to put on some music and um, when the house is empty and the children are with their dad you know I like to put on some music and just kind of hang out at home I like being able to you know read books and be in my own sort of space and not have to answer a phone call if I don't want to I like to kind of just sometimes just be in my own headspace and your children they get one-on-time with you and they get one-on-one with their dad you know I mean that's something that a lot of families have to work really hard at doing because they spend so much time as a family all of a sudden you're able to actually give to each child just yourself like on a one-on-one I really really like that as well I think that's um, a benefit for for children also of, of separated families if there are benefits yeah, I think you're right. Even more so when there's like children involved and then all of a sudden you find that you've got like day, you've got days where you don't even have the kids in your life. How did you deal with that? Yeah, you know, it, we're taught that it's sort of selfish to put yourself as a priority, right? And then all of a sudden when you are just a single parent, it's like, well, okay, I am the only adult in the household. I am the single parent. So all of a sudden you are an I. And so you get to think, yourself in that in that manner you know how do I want um, this to happen and you know what do I want to do about this and what's my solution to this problem and what am I going to do about it you know so it is it does start to be about you and yes there's initially um, you know you feel a fair bit of pressure with that because it's not a position that you were used to being in but after a while I think you start to think oh okay this is actually not too bad not having to question myself or did I take another person into consideration enough making that decision or you know there's all of those things that mean it's not all negative and yes it's really hard work being a single parent you know lots of single parents really struggle and I completely um, can relate to that there are times when it's very stressful when your kids are going through something or dealing with um, schools and schooling and sport and all the pleasure of things that they're doing before COVID-19. Now it's dealing with that they're always home. <laughs> all of a sudden when you're the only one making those decisions or you're the one that has to provide that whatever it is for the children at that point in time, when they're with you, the decisions mm-hmm. are in your court. When they're with their dad, the decision's in his court, you know. So when yeah. you're making decisions all of a sudden it's like you're not relying on someone else to fulfill an expectation that you have of them all of a sudden that's taken away there's no one else to expect to help you there's no one else that you're expecting anything from and that can kind of be cathartic as well it's kind of like you know what if it doesn't happen it's because I didn't do it yeah no I completely agree with you and I felt that this was another theme that was on um, the podcast that there's this sense of failure around a divorce unlike a death in the family or something like that so therefore it's perceived rightly or wrongly differently yeah I agree I agree with that totally you know my parents um 
you know, separated after um, 21 years. And, you know, I always looked at it in that way that they were together for 21 years. They had three children. We, you know, we were all relatively normal, I guess you'd call us. But I I always saw that as, you know, my children, my parents married out of love. I was born out of love. And that's, you know, what more could I ask for? That didn't, I didn't see my parents' um, marriage breakdown as being a failure um, in any shape or you know, if you stayed in a job for 21 years, people would go, gee, how successful were you? Or, you know, what made you move on to another job? So why isn't it seen the same thing as that being a successful relationship? And 10 years in a job would be seen as successful. So a 10-year marriage should be seen as successful. I think you're right. And it's almost the same thing that what you were saying before, that it's because there's this stigma around it, that it's it's yeah. perceived in a negative way and because it's not discussed it's it's so therefore yeah, none of this work. stuff ever comes to the surface yeah but interestingly speaking about your parents so there is such a thing as a as a happy divorce yeah yeah I think so I mean you know in the beginning you know I know it wasn't easy for them um, when they first separated and they went through a very difficult patch but my mum and dad remained friends up to the day my dad passed away you know they had a great relationship in their lifetime and they always remained committed to that so I don't think also that what you go through in the beginning will always be the end result you know I think that's what people have to remember as well and everyone's journey is different I'm not you know yeah. I'm not talking about myself I'm talking about everyone's journey but for my parents after a while they sort of work it out and they do have children together and you're always going to have some sort of contact with that other person whether it's when your kids get you know celebrate major birthdays later on or or yeah, weddings or you sure. know whatever it is I mean you're always going to have that connection and they're the they're the other parent of your children that deserves respect in itself doesn't it it does deserve respect Cass but I just know that I would be like I know that if I was in the situation, I would like to think that I would be really mature and I would take the high road and I would, you know, promise to do all the good things for the sake of the children. But then I know in my heart of hearts that I'd be a brat. It's like you become ambivalent. It's like, you know, you have respect yeah, for that right. other person as the parent of your children, but you become ambivalent because they're not in your daily life anymore. They're not part of the decisions you're making. And, you know, with a bit of time, you actually start living your own life. You're not living life with them anymore. So your life becomes about your life and your life with your children. And you don't actually, you know, surprisingly, people might find it surprising that you actually don't think about them anymore. That must be hard for you, Cass. You've got it just permanently in your face, you know, like in a way that other people don't have it. I mean, let's face it, with any news, I mean, you can log on and read the news and read real news, or you can log on and read gossip news. So, you know, if you stay away from all the gossip stuff, then, you know, pretty much I don't have much to do with it at all. Yeah, maybe I'm addicted to the gossip stuff. <laughs> but either way, <laughs> so now that you're officially the, the divorcee, like, because I do think that there's a difference between, you tell me if I'm right or wrong, but, but there's a different perception of a divorced woman versus the divorced man. Is that right? Or am I like in the 1950s? Yeah, I talked about this in one of the podcasts, you know, this term that people in society seem to use and, you know, the tabloids sort of pop it in and out, it pops in and out, is a bitter ex-wife. And that's one that I really find quite offensive because what is the same term for a divorced man? A prick. 
But there's not. There's not one used in the media. There's not one used in, you know, movies or, you know, like the first wives club. Like what's the male version of that? What's the male version of a bitter ex-wife? Like why as a society do we keep having these titles that only describe women who are in, you know, a situation that's considered Mm. negative, that taboo topic again, divorce. We have these Mm. titles for women who've gone through divorce, but what are the titles for men? I really did start to find that a little bit weird. I was kind of like, what do you mean? And I'd never really thought about it before because I wasn't a divorced woman. So I hadn't sort of thought of those terms as being used to describe Mm. me. And then when they were, I was like, oh, wait a second, this is not really cool. Like, you know, like why do these exist? You're right. Like talk about the 1950s. It's like they just hark back to another era yeah. and they just but they just keep bloody hanging on, don't they? Until until, you know, people start questioning their existence. Like really, you're right. The bitter yeah. ex-wife sucks. It's a stupid term. Yeah. Let's never <laughs> say it again, Cass. I mean, what you know, what about guys who stand around a barbecue and have a, you know, complaint about their bitter ex-wife you know like what is it what is what is it that we're calling them when they all gather together I don't know but you know what we call them we call them dickheads we do we 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 like privately or you know amongst our girlfriends like we kind of go yeah he's an idiot he's a dickhead like socially acceptable terms to call women but not men like publicly write them in a magazine or they write them in a newspaper and then I kind of think wow you know like how Mm. is this so yeah no I agree now of course that which moves me on to a new stereotype (laughs) of course of the uh the dating divorcee I have to ask Cass, have you been out there on the hustings, mate? <laughs> well, before we were all isolated because before, you know, because of COVID-19, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'd been on a date or two, sure, you know, like, um, but I am I interested at all in this point in time in having a um, committed relationship? Nah, I'm pretty focused on, um, you know, the podcast and um, other great mm. things in my life. I work for Teldum Under You Services, which helps homeless children and young people. I'm focused on, you know, getting my children through school and I'm just focused on having a really fun life, to be honest. Like I'm really yeah. enjoying my life. I get to be me. Yeah. And hello, like what an amazing journey to be able to say that you can do that. Like that's fantastic, Cass. It's been, I mean, you've been through public hell for like a few years and I think that you've really emerged (laughs) victorious on the other end. The Divorce Story podcast is is a real winner and we look forward to seeing what happens in the next chapter. We'll have to catch up again. Thanks Mel, that'd be great. It is so true when Cass says divorce shouldn't be such a taboo topic and I love that she's doing something about it. Thanks for listening today. Please rate and review as it only takes a second and don't forget to subscribe to Finding Fearless with Marie Claire so you don't miss an episode. We'll catch you next time.